What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Campus to Caching, where Ethan and myself, Chris K, talk uh, DraftKings main slate for Saturday's games. This week, a little bit unique. They blessed us with 12 games, no FCS matchups. I think it's maybe in that piece, it's just that uh, there are no FCS matchups, but I will give the in DraftKings interns some credit for that. <laughs> uh, Ethan, we both, I feel like we're just going to do this every week in the pre-show and talk about how tired we are and how this is... Oh, for sure. Increasingly draining our energy. But the nice thing about it is it's college football. We love college football. And like, ultimately yeah. we love doing this stuff. Uh, it's not like our real world jobs where sure. that's a little different. So how's everything <laughs> going with you, man? It's good. I, uh, I took a slate off for the first time this season. I didn't, well, I, I shouldn't say ticket. I did only a single entry for, uh, the, the night slate last week. So, uh, not not too bad. I, I wanted to be able to focus on the Penn State game and uh, watch that without too much hullabaloo. And it wasn't a great slate of games last week, so I <clears throat> I tried to prioritize spending some time with family to uh, buy myself, you know, the next seven or eight weeks of uninterrupted football. <laughs> there you go. It's a give and take in this world. And yeah, you're right. I think um, the night games. I was at a wedding, so I I actually was able to play some of the the main slate, which Ooh, was yeah. nice. Uh, didn't turn out the best, but it was still fun. Um, didn't play anything for night or late night or anything like that, but, uh, ready to get it going this week. We have seven midweek games, which is the start yeah. of, uh, the craziness. Cause coming up, we get the fun belt and the action on all these various days. So looking forward Can't to wait. it, but what's kind of the, uh, overall take on the slate so far looking at DraftKings pricing, anything that's popped up just initially here for you? Yeah, I felt like there were some decent values across the board. Nothing nothing startling. I feel like we're getting into the uh, the heart of the season where they have a pretty good idea on projections and estimated, uh, estimated outcomes. Um, we do have, I think this is the first time we've had a, an over 10K quarterback on main slate with, uh, with Caleb playing, playing Colorado early. Um, that's a weird, you know, 9 a.m. local kickoff uh spot so that that's going to be fun to watch but um nothing nothing crazy i know the past few weeks we've been kind of slanting our, our value on one position or the other but i feel like there are a few few spots on each position this week i think it's actually a 10 a.m local time so they get is to it? sleep in a little bit more yeah colorado okay. i think is two hours behind us oh that's right they're school. they're in colorado yeah. okay yeah it's in colorado which yeah i think um, I guess we can just kick it off with, with quarterback. Yeah, you bring up Caleb Williams, you know, with his price is so much, right? 10500 But I just, yeah. I might get a little bit uh, tricky finding some of these cheaper options to make it happen. But, yeah. I mean, we saw what Bo Nix and what the Oregon offense did. There's no real reason to, to think that it's not going to happen again. Yeah. Um, and you can just, you know, Marshawn Lloyd at the running back position is – decent enough price but nothing too crazy that like one of those guys has to hit right like there's no way the usc defense scores like three touchdowns and they return it you know like so i feel like caleb williams is going to be heavily owned especially considering yeah. you know what Bo that just did to him is that kind of how you're thinking the ownership will play out yeah i mean there's always the uh the off chance of an austin jones smash week but uh i think for the most part uh caleb is um Really, I mean, Caleb and Marshawn are both very secure. 
One thing that I didn't anticipate that I am making adjustments for uh, moving forward is the um, Colorado uh, showcase uh, syndrome is what I'm going to call it here, okay. where teams playing Colorado want to show out because they know there's more eyes on it. Uh, Dan Lanning last week, I don't know if you if you watched the, the Oregon-Colorado game live or anything, but during halftime, he, uh, he told the sideline reporter that they weren't finished yet, and he hoped that everybody who was tuning in would continue to, to, to keep their eyes focused because they weren't satisfied with a 41-point lead. Um, so I, I think that there's a chance that starters stay in against Colorado a little bit longer than um, we might have anticipated. I, I'm pretty sure Bo was playing into the, the fourth quarter last week. So... Um, I don't think USC is going to roll as well this week as, as Oregon did. Just the defense isn't as good um, straight up. So Colorado should at least be able to put some points on the board, which ultimately just helps Caleb's outcome and uh, helps keep those starters in the game. Yeah, that's interesting you bring up that with the landing quote. Um, I just think people – I agree, and I think people will want to – like. I, I like Dion. I like what he's done. It's everything has been positive for college football. He's made like a ton of great quotes that are just completely mature and responsible and role model esque quotes. But for some reason, I think people just want to beat him. And because yeah. I, it's like that team that always gets the credit or whatever, right? I know it's only been a month or whatever, right? But like yeah. it's that thinking that, like, oh, everybody thinks this team is so good. Well, we're going to show them and sh- shut them up and stuff yeah. like that. And I think that's 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 equally going to play a part, you know, and I don't think USC needs any additional ammo, right. Considering yeah, what they sure. have on the line throughout the season. But I do agree, you know, those starters may play a little bit longer to make that. I mean, and to be fair too, right. Like they were supposed to crush Arizona state and they didn't, yeah. right. They made Arizona state. Yeah. Um, they kept them in the game for a while. So I think, I mean, I think he'll probably be my highest zone quarterback, and it feels like yeah. a fairly safe play. I mean, the only thing you would worry about is, like, is the 10 a.m. start time. But I don't know. You could put up enough value in just a quarter, like a half, it sounds like. That's, so yeah, that's could, my thought. Like, you could wake even if up they there. do get off to a slow start, you know, second half Caleb in a game that's relatively close is probably better than uh, four quarters of Caleb in a game that's not close. So, Yeah, exactly. So... Looking at other quarterbacks, there's not really a high-priced guy that I really love. Um, Quinn Ewers is interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, just I think from a volume standpoint, it seems to he seems to be getting that uptick that we need. Yeah. Um, at random points, you know, though recently he just hasn't been needed against Baylor and Wyoming, but against Bama, you know, 38 passing attempts. You know, with his talent and the talent around him, that feels pretty good. Is that kind of that next option you're looking at in this slate? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I mean, I am just baffled at how Talia Tagovailoa is still so high priced on, on these slates. He seems like he's always buoyed by some artificial value. I mean, I know they play in Indiana and I know Maryland's at home, but the fact that you have a, a an equal uh, decision between Quinn Ewers and, and Talia um is just kind of wild in my mind but um those those guys right underneath them are are pretty interesting um aller and mccarthy um definitely guys who you assume their ground game is gonna ice the game but you know you never can 
pinpoint those touchdowns. Uh, like last week, Aller had four touchdowns against Iowa. And I mean, the ground game really didn't do much until later in that game. But um, yeah, I, I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are on McCarthy, as always. I know you're a, you're a JJ fan, but mm-hmm. uh, at Nebraska, 8,400. I don't love, my projections do not love him. Um, you know, it's, I think my preseason projection of him as a top 20 quarterback is, it's not dead in the water, but it just, this, we truly need to get, if you're a Michigan fan, if, well, I should say, if you're a McCarthy fan like myself, you truly need some more competitive games and the defense yeah. has just looked really, really good. Um, you know, even if he throws 225 and three touchdowns and adds some rushing usage, like it's still low twenties and fantasy points, yeah. which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But my preseason project uh prediction is is uh slowly treading water, might not last much longer. But, anyways, I don't love him honestly. I mean, I, I certainly think there's some value in playing him a little bit because yeah. he has shown some some uh, rushing ability that just the usage isn't there. Um, Carball came out and said, this is applicable to the running backs specifically, but I think it potentially could impact McCarthy is, you know, he Harbaugh came out and said that he doesn't want to hammer one running back and give him 30 carries in the game. Yeah. Citing that, uh, you know, running backs have only a certain amount of tread on the tires that their careers are shorter. If he does something like that, he doesn't want to do that. And I honestly, considering the, the room they have, he can do that and he's not, He's not impacting the team, right? Yeah. So, you know, if Nebraska can keep it tight, do we see McCarthy run it eight to 10 times because they don't want to load up on Corum and, and Edwards? I don't know. I, I think I would lean closer to, to yours, and then I would lean on um, Jalen Daniels, which yeah, I think Daniels, is an interesting play. Daniels definitely is um, intriguing. I think that whole game stack is a sneaky way to uh, subvert the ownership of that Colorado USC game. Um, uh, Daniels, I mean, he's had a pretty, he's got a pretty pedestrian uh, points per game from a fantasy outlook, but um, it seems like when this Kansas offense is really humming, it's because they're able to run the ball. And so going up against Texas, you know, I I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball and I think they're going to need to rely on Daniels a lot more. Um, so that's, that's interesting. I also like Seth Hennigan, um, against Boise. Uh, they're in Memphis for that one. Um, quietly Seth Hennigan and Rock Taylor have been a really interesting quarterback wide receiver duo. Um, Hennigan, uh, last week against Missouri threw 47 times. Uh, so his attempts thus far this year, um, 47 last week, 35 the week before 29 against Arkansas state, and then 36 against uh, Bethune Cookman. They're throwing the ball at a, a good measure. He seems like a pretty decent candidate to go over 300 at any given time. And he's not a zero with his legs. Um, I do wish he was more in the 7,000 range instead of right there at 8,000 flat. But um, he seems like a, a an interesting choice um, going against Boise this week, who we know has had a little bit of struggle with the pass. They've had some really tough competition uh, for the passing game. But um, I feel like that's a, an opportunity there with, uh, with Hennigan. Yeah. He's an interesting one. Um, for a lot of the reasons you just said, the, it feels like the matchup is favorable for some reason. I don't know what reason, I don't know how, but he's just, a, he doesn't pop a ton in my projections and I'm going to look into it because it does feel like he has a lot of things going his way. Sometimes Vegas just 
crushes it right and just yeah. kills someone's my one of my quarterback streams but he does feel like he has a lot of things going his way it might just be the fact that he's his price is a little bit aggressive like you had mentioned close enough to like the ewers uh club nick for me writes pretty well um and sometimes the my projections mixed with the solver want to try to do like this whole like stud scrub thing yeah. Um, but I'm going to note him because I do think there is some potential and like maybe a sneaky game stack. Right. Cause I do think Taylor green, although he hasn't popped, you know, if they just gave him usage, he would have, he'd be such a like stud fantasy quarterback, but like he's consistently in like the low thirties, mid twenties, it feels yeah. like. And if he just, you know, if the offense seems to be getting going now that they, you know, they played Washington and UCF and two awful to gross games for them. Yeah. Recently, they've scored 34 and 42, lesser competition. But, you know, I think Memphis is closer to San Diego State than they are UCF and Washington, obviously. So I'm yeah. excited to see how that progresses. What's the word on George Halani? Have we heard anything on his status for the game? Man, I'm just waiting for his his retirement from football so that we can we can get on the, the G&T train. But no, nothing, nothing that I've seen. Um, I would assume he's pretty close to coming back, though. Uh, there was some rumbling last week that he might be back. Um, he's been on the depth chart the past two weeks, so don't go off of that if you're uh, trying to figure out if he's in the game or not. Um, but yeah, I, I did read too uh, that there's been a little bit of I don't I don't want to say frustration with Boise's offense, but their offense has had to make some more adjustments because the way that defenses have been attacking Boise State is that they are terrified of Taylor Green's rushing ability. They want to keep him in the pocket. And so they've been setting ultra ultra wide uh, defensive ends when they come out um, as a way to, you know, keep contain on him and force him to stay in the pocket. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious to see if that's something that's going to continue as the season goes on. Um, it does seem like he's starting to figure it out a little bit. I mean, weeks one and two were very mediocre to bad. Um, again, though, playing Washington and, and UCF, it was um, tough competition. So I'll, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. But um, it does seem like they're at least um, a more efficient offense. And I think part of that is Gene T being in there instead of Halani. Um, but I'm really curious to see if, if they're able to put it together, especially considering defenses are going to start loading the box and, and really coming after this running game because – we've seen it be so prolific already this year. So um, I'm, I'm with you with, with Galen green. I think that he's an interesting option uh, for this week for sure. Yeah. And he, he just really comes at a price tag that is uh, he's a kind of alone in that section of pricing that makes him somewhat appealing for me. Yeah. I mentioned club Nick earlier. We've talked about him last week. I mean, he literally was, I, you know, he was stopped on a quarterback sneak. I think it was the second half and they gave it to Shipley the next play and he scored, but he was one, you know, he had that, let's say he had that rushing touchdown. He's basically at 28 points or more for fantasy points yeah. last three weeks in a row. And, you know, at Syracuse poses a pretty interesting matchup, nothing overpowering or something to be worried about, but this Clemson offense seems to be, Seems to be moving it enough. You know, they looked good against yeah. Florida State. So he's they interesting were to me. Williams, weren't they? Antonio Williams. Um, let's see. Bo Collins. No, Bo Collins was in. There was somebody else, I think. No, I think Tony Brown was hurt for a little bit. And yeah. The receiver. I know they were without one receiver, back, right? It was a 
a swap so that they, I was looking at. They so. seem to be banged up a little bit at receiver, yeah. but I, you know, hopefully they're all good because I'd love to play Tony Brown again. Um, but anyways, what's uh maybe one last quarterback that you're considering? Oh man, I'm so glad you asked because there is the the garbage picking special here. Um I have been on Luke Altmeyer this year uh, from a CFF perspective in, in super deep formats. And I really like his upside. Uh, the fact that he is able to use his legs when he needs to. Um, I was a little bit nervous because uh, um, Bielema did pull him uh, in the Penn state game late in that game. I think part of it was that he was getting a little beat up, but they were just inefficient against Penn state. Um, but he did come in. He had 36 attempts uh, against Florida Atlantic, um, and he did get a rushing touchdown as well. So against Purdue, they're at Purdue this week. Um, that feels like a game. I feel like Purdue is constantly finding themselves in these shootout games, in these games that, um, you know, their defense isn't great at holding things together, but their offense has been surprisingly pretty decent, which I think is a little bit of the opposite of what we're expecting with Purdue this year. Um, with their coaching changes that they they made, um, but I'm I'm really interested in Altmaier um, at 5700. Um, I think that he is, um, you know, the best point per dollar uh, guy once you once you start getting down there. Um, so I'll I'll have a, a decent sprinkling of him. Yeah, it's funny. I, it's that was one of the guys I was considering here for me. I would say if Sam Jackson somehow starts. Yeah, I'm interested in Sam Jackson. I, you know, keep an eye on that one. He's equally as cheap. I think he's $200 less than Altmaier. Yep. Um, but if not, I like Hudson Card on the other side of that Altmaier game. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not super flashy, but he does have a bunch of quality weapons at receiver. Um, yep. His tight end is relevant. The running back game is good, but nothing crazy, not overpowering. And I just think that, you know, Three rushing touch or yeah, a rushing touchdown each of his last three games. Maybe he shows off some mobility and you know, and he gets there. He would be for me more of a cash game play than a tournament play, but um, I do think he has some validity in this slate. Yeah. Running back. I mean, I guess if we I guess we both presume that Halani plays, but if he's out, Ashton GT, like in every lineup. I mean, close to it for sure. Um, I, he's the the real conversation begins. How much do you play him with Halani active? And I, I don't think that necessarily changes that much for me. Um, with him being under seven thousand, I mean, you do wish that you had a little bit more relief if Halani is playing. But I I don't know. There's there's two conflicting point of views in my head. One is that you don't rush Halani back because Janty's played so well. The other one, though, is Halani's coming back from injury. They're going to ease him in regardless, so it's still probably going to be the Janty show. Um, those contradict, but in my head, that just points towards more Janty on this slate. But what if what if last week was the hold him back because he's ready? See, th- that's that's the thing. And so you assume that he's going to be full strength once they bring him back. But even at full strength, are, are they a little ginger? Like, do they still hold him out just a little bit or, or limit his carries? Is he, is he coming back on a pitch count? Um, I think a lot of that depends on exactly what type of injury he's dealing with. 
Um, to my knowledge, they haven't been very forthcoming with that that news. Okay. To me, this position uh, really is like anybody from like 5,700 to 6,500. I think there's just a wealth of options there. Guys like uh, LaQuinta yeah. Allen and Will Shipley, he's at 5,900. Um, like Watson, Jonathan Brooks, Devin Neal, Cam Scadabo. There's like five or six legitimate options in there. I may have even missed a few. Um, yeah. So this this um, feels like which mid-price guy you're going to go after. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I I mean, they're a little bit more expensive than mid-price. I was shocked to see Catron Allen more expensive than Nicholas Singleton on this slate. Um, they're only separated 73 for Catron, 71 for Singleton. But I I know it's a, it's a fallacy, but you assume that you know the running game is due for some touchdown equity with uh with the way things have played and having northwestern on the the docket um singleton probably going to get the higher ownership allen um fewer fantasy points per game less of a household name than nicholas singleton and 200 dollars more expensive uh allen seems like a a pretty great spot um this week but Looking at those those more mid-range guys that you're talking about, I love the way Blake Watson's been used uh, with Memphis. He seems like he's a lock, especially on DraftKings for 20 points. Um, just with the amount of uh, receptions he's getting, the amount of targets he's he's looking at. Um, since uh, since we're we're looking at it, um, his receptions so far this year nine, six, four, and five, going back to week one. Um, and still getting double-digit rushing attempts um, for Memphis. So he's a guy who I like. He's somebody who I don't mind pairing him with Hennigan because he is getting that passing work as well. Um, but he's really interesting. You know, Scadabo seems to be the entire Arizona State offense. Um, so I like those guys. Um, we have another D. Edwards this week. We have three D. Edwards on the uh, oh, at running back. So pick your poison there. Uh, one of them slightly more expensive than the rest, but all of them separated by $200. So there's some interesting options for sure, especially in that mid-range spot. Yeah, I think with those two, Blake Watson and Scadabo, I like them already. I like them more if their backups were confirmed out. So I'm talking yeah. about uh, Javion Ducker. Brooks for Memphis and to Carlos Brooks guys that I think are not going to get a huge amount of, of rush usage, but like coaches don't want to go to the, for some reason, these guys don't want to go to their third or fourth options at running back. And because of that, we are seeing like 55, 60% of carries for those two. I mean, yeah. that is extremely appealing. You know, when we get these running back by committees, they just kind of, they just take away just enough. They don't get the touchdown. And all of a sudden you're like real pissed at how it worked. It kind of, it's like, for me, it's like Jonathan Brooks and CJ Baxter, Cedric Baxter. Like I'm really curious to see how those two play this week. Cause that, to me, it felt like, okay, well Baxter played last week, but he didn't get the carries. So why did he not get those, that bigger usage? Is it because he was limited? Kind of like we mentioned with Holani earlier, was it like, Hey, bring him back limited for a game, then full speed the next, or is it uh, a situation where Brooks is the solidified running back one? And yeah, Baxter will get 15, 20% of carries, but Brooks will live around 50, you yeah. know? So it is, it's definitely on the riskier end. I would say Brooks is the most, is the one with the most risk. Um, 
Skadibo and Watson to me feel like the same level of risk, right? Their backups are just so adequate that I think we're safe either way. Yeah, it's interesting that Memphis backfield has really... Um, it's been a little surprising the way that they played out. Uh, Ducker, yeah, De- Jevion Ducker, has he... Um, did he get a, a more recent injury? I know this offseason he was dealing with some stuff, but... Um, I, I know that he played in that is it the Thursday night game that they played in last week. Yeah, he so. played in week two, I think it was. He missed week one, played in week okay. two, missed the last two weeks. So I think Watson's going to be fine. But yeah. It's just like I'd like to have a little bit more data. I don't know how these guys are going to work, right? Like maybe that's just me being scarred from Friday night in Purdue and what they did with yeah. their running backs. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, – I feel pretty confident in Memphis giving Watson the majority of that, that workload. I think Watson, the biggest competition, honestly, is Rock Taylor in the receiving game. Um, because if they really funnel it to uh, to Thomas, that that limits his his upside for sure. Um, but, I mean, Memphis, they've, they've rolled three running backs, I feel like, most of the season already. Uh, they've been getting Sutton Smith into it a little bit more. Sutton Smith is more of a um Watson archetype he's got a little bit more receiving game uh action and he's a smaller back uh that has a little bit more speed I feel like Ducker is just your typical northern Illinois power back um there so I I think that he's pretty safe but DeCarlos Brooks is definitely interesting um in how much he's going to take away from Scatabo um it's it's interesting shakedown there between the two but um, I think I'd probably still pretty secure 6,400 though. You do wish maybe he was like two or $300 cheaper. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not shying away from either of those two guys. I, I don't think personally. We'll get away from this kind of group of running backs, but I have to yeah. mention one more thing. So Sutton Smith, you mentioned him. I wasn't going to say it, but Sutton Smith is the alma mater for the same high school that Jared and myself went to. Oh man. It's impressive. What else are they churning out at that high school? Um, other <laughs> running back options. I think Blake Corum at the very top is super safe. Like literally yeah. just go back and listen to what I said last week. Cause it's the same thing. They're going to get him a touchdown. If they look like they really wanted him to get a hundred rushing yards last week, they give him a bunch of later carries, which was a little bit against what Harbaugh said, but I think he still only yeah. ended with like mm, 20 carries or so 21. So I think maybe, but, you know, one of the safest options in the slate, um, you know, I brought up CJ Baxter earlier. That's a cheap price tag for him. Yeah. But what about fan, or I should say favorite of the show, Ray Davis? His price tag is a little bit aggressive being over this really nice group of running backs. Yeah. But against Florida, I don't know. I feel like with his usage and how good he's been, he looks like a good option. Man, that... Kentucky offense has just been so hard to pin down for me. Um, when I've played Ray Davis so far, I mean, he's come through, but usually it's not until late in the game. Um, they've been giving, um, oh gosh, I forget his name, but the backup Lavelle something. Um, he's He's gotten a few touchdowns recently this year. Um, and uh, I, I don't think that, this Florida matchup is one that I'm particularly interested in him with. Um, I do have a little bit of interest in Trevor Etienne actually on the other side of that game. 
Um, I think that he's an interesting play. Uh, and then getting down into the cheaper options, Phil Maffa, um, I know that he's a guy who was hyped up this offseason. Hasn't been great, but I think this Syracuse game is one where they're going to uh, – it's going to be close enough that he's going to have a, a decent involvement in um, you know, running out some clock. Um, yeah, that that cheaper price paint, um, and I just I just see his name. It wasn't Lavelle Wright. It was Jatan McLean. Yeah, the backup for uh, for Kentucky. He's he's cheap too at forty three hundred. That's that's interesting. But um, yeah, not not big on on Ray Davis this week. But um, I think those those cheaper options. I'm probably going to start to bottom out my pool around forty five hundred on those guys. Um, but there are some some interesting names in that range. Yeah, you mentioned uh, what I think consider a lot of like good tournament plays. Um, yeah. Not as safe or secure. I'm going to come back to Jalen Lucas, the Indiana running back. Yeah. Somehow he struggles against Akron last week. He saw a, a pretty heavy majority of the rushing usage in comparison, right? Yeah. Um, but he, the game before, he had 10 receptions. You know, yeah. the game before that, he had two touchdowns. So he's intriguing to me. Um, this week for the price tag in Maryland, I don't consider, you know, they're four and oh, and they do this kind of thing where they, they win a bunch early and then they just lose the games they're supposed to lose. But yeah. I'm interested to see how that offense goes against Maryland. And I think Jalen Lucas, if you think Indiana's going to score at all, then you should consider Jalen Lucas, even if, which is funny considering how small and his stature in comparison. He's, he's but, a home run threat for sure. Um, but I, I think it's a really interesting point too, because Maryland seems like a team that kind of plays down to their competition, at least to start off games or they're slow starters. Um, I think about the Charlotte and the Virginia game. Um, I feel like they are a little bit susceptible to big plays, Um, particularly, um, you know, playing into Lucas's skill set with the receiving um, receiving work and the ability that he does. Uh, This seems like it's going to be, a game that Indiana is looking to kind of grind out a little bit. Um, but with Taven Jackson, I think it's interesting too, because he's not really a mobile guy. So he does tend to um, kind of check it down a little bit more than uh, Sorby. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to really see if Taven is able to take command of that role. Um, I know Sorby did get a little bit of play. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago. Um but Lucas with Taven in the in the game seems like more of a smash spot. All right, shifting gears to receiver. Um, I think we all had Ricky Pearsall pegged as the highest priced <laughs> receiver by week five. Uh, I think yeah. we can all ignore him. Although, you know, I I actually I shouldn't say that. I actually think he projects pretty decently, but it's just kind of it's hard to swallow the seventy four hundred for him, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's like playing um, it's like playing Gunnar Romney at uh, at, at maximum salary or at the highest salary there. He, I feel like he's going to get the volume within the team, but it's not enough volume that really like makes you excited compared to the other guys on the slate. Yeah, I think for him, he has to get the the touchdown equity for him to make sense yeah. at this price tag. I mean, just think about like compared to every other guy below him, he has to, he theoretically needs to outperform them. And there are some really interesting guys 
behind him, right? Like I think Evan Stewart's really interesting. Xavier Weaver, uh, Xavier Weaver is appealing, assuming he's healthy. Xavier Worthy, um, you have your pick of USC receivers. So, you know, if you had to say which of the top end of the group would it be for you, which one, which guy stands out to you the most? I think if Evan Stewart had if we knew that Wigman was going to be the quarterback in that game, I'd feel a lot better about rolling Evan Stewart. Um, the matchup is, is enough that I don't feel like you should worry about it. But honestly, I think there's some underrated uh, value in um, Eric McAllister um, at Boise. Boise has thrown the ball more than um, I think a lot of people realize. He um, is the de facto number one receiver there uh, in target share with, target share above 20%. Um, him and Stefan Cobbs are both kind of the, the volume polls on those, uh, on the team. Um, so I, I really like him. If, if I'm giving an overall best value of that top tier though, I would probably lean Xavier worthy, um, as the guy who I think has the best shot of those guys to not only have an insulated floor, but also have the potential for the big game. It's an interesting group. I would probably go with Weaver. Um, he was fed last week. Yeah. Banged up. So, of course, just to confirm the health that nothing's completely wrong there. But I think, you know, his usage in the offense is really solidified. USC's defense is awful, as we've seen. You know, I have, I am a sh- rest assured, uh, Dion will have them ready to go. Now, will they be outmatched is another thing. But, from a motivational standpoint, I can't imagine they're not ready to go. And maybe they sneak up on them early because from a motivation standpoint, they should, I would imagine they have to have the leg up for the first quarter, but um, I like Weaver here. Um, he, he was heavily used, you know, Evan Stewart to me, I think you make a good point. Quarterback certainly matters. Uh, that Auburn team always has great defensive back play. Um, and they kind of showed that with Stewart only having three catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. You know, they used the slot receiver, Anaya Smith, way more than he has the entire season. That was without Noah Stewart, who should be back. So I I like Evan Stewart there as well. Worthy to me is like super, I don't say super boomer bust because he's always in the teens, but like, yeah he kind of lives in the teens and I'm just waiting. Is he going to get that big blow up game? Is this the one Kansas certainly in the past has been able to provide huge performances from uh, opposing teams. So interesting. I don't think there's like a surefire. Like last week it felt like it was like Jamari thrash and some other options as, uh, as like really jumped out at you this week. It doesn't feel like there's one that's like, yep, this guy's going to be 40% owned. Yeah. And, Playing worthy, like a little bit of my rationale there is Kansas has kind of had Texas's number for the past few years. They always seem to get up for that game. Um, I think Texas is best equipped as they have been in the past, gosh, decade maybe, um, in terms of talent that they have on that team and specifically on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so I, I, I like that. Weaver, I am worried about his health. Um, I don't know anything about the uh, injury. Um, but I'm worried. I'm worried that if he's not a hundred percent, that they force him out there because Hunter's already out, and that he tries to be Superman a little too much out there. Um, there's also 
a little bit of concern. This is less of a concern, but I think it's a factor that needs to be discussed of this Colorado team coming off of huge emotional high of being three and zero, and then losing so badly to Oregon and then having an early start time for their, their game against USC. If they get down early in that game, like how do they respond? Um, I, I don't know. It just seems like I'm, I'm not worried about the talent or the professionalism of say Shador uh, or Weaver or Horn or anything like that. But the guys in the trenches who are getting rolled over and everybody's calling them out justifiably so that they're not doing a good job. Um, I start to wonder, you know, are, are they going to be able to dig in and really dig themselves out of a, a situation like that? Yeah. It truly is going to come down to like how, when you're knocked down, how do you respond? Right. Yeah. Um, I think there's certainly Dion impacts that. Hence what I just said a minute ago, but the players also have to do it, you know, like, they still have to take the the coaching and, and the motivation and, and run with it. Yeah. They are put in an interestingly tough spot, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, sure. Quickly, quickly, because I don't think this is a huge, you know, as much as USC is going to score 60 points, I don't know if one of these guys breaks 25 fantasy points, but what USC receiver would you, would you take of all of them? I'm going with the, uh, the, often used philosophy of pick the cheapest guy in the room. And Zachariah mm -hmm. Branch at uh, 6,100 is appealing uh, in that sense. Um, definitely doesn't seem like he's getting a ton of volume, but you're not looking for volume with these receivers. You're looking for which of them has the best chance to make a big play. And Zachariah Branch is just electric in that way. Um, he's really interesting in that 6,100 category. I like each and every one of the three $6,100 receivers with Keandre Lambert-Smith and Rock Taylor um, also joining him at that price point. Um, Lambert-Smith has exceeded all of my expectations. I really did not believe that he would have the ability to be a consistent number one uh, option in the offense, and he has done that and more. Um, he really seems to be developing that rapport with Aller. Um, so I'm, I'm more than comfortable rolling him out against Northwestern if you think that the uh, the passing game is a good way to get off of uh, the um, over-owned running back situation, which I'm assuming will will pop up. Um, and then I've already mentioned this Memphis offense against Boise State. I think Rock Taylor is a slam dunk at that price. Um, he's been getting consistent uh, targets and seems to be making the most of them. Um, he really started to come into his own, I felt, in the Navy game. Um, but... I mean, he's been very consistent outside of that Arkansas State game in which they were up early and relied on the run. Uh, he's been consistently 15 points plus, uh, which is really more than you can ask for at the uh, the mid-range price point, I feel like. Yeah, all of them really interesting options. I, you know, I, I had a lot of – I feel like I drafted a lot of Keandre Lambert-Smith in best balls, but I'm not positive. I think I need to go check after this. But – it kind of felt like he was just really solid to me in the offseason as like a receiver two in a Penn State offense is like not that bad at all. And he yeah. has the he with everybody with guys leaving and with Dante Sivas not really picking up a lot of steam in the offseason transferring in. Yeah. I felt like the upside was potentially there and we're starting to see it, you know. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see as he continues to play, as they continue to play against Big Ten opponents, is the passing game continue to be a, a positive or do they lean more on the rushing game like you kind of mentioned i think rock taylor makes sense 
Um, and then, you know, I, it's definitely, you know, I appreciate you asking me my take on the USC receivers, Ethan. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I think, got off of that topic very quick. Didn't <laughs> I, uh, I think you're right. Well, I think, um, you're half right. I think it's either branch or to it. me, Brendan Rice. And I would lean, I think I lean Rice. I think you're right in that who is the guy that's most likely to go two deep catches or, you know, in Branch's case, he's, I believe he's still the punt returner, or at least he was at one yeah. point. Um, and he's been incredible in the punt return game. So does he score one that way? And then add a couple catches with a long touchdown. Like that's a good way to get there. Uh, I would go uh, Brandon Rice. He's got four touchdowns on nine catches. Uh, <laughs> funny enough against Stanford, he had just one catch for 75 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Again, I don't think these guys can be used much at all. Maybe a, a light sprinkle because maybe they do. They did say, hey, we're going to consolidate our receiver room and not use as many guys. And so it's like, oh, you're going to use seven guys instead of 10. <laughs> like how how helpful. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so that'll be a, it'll be interesting to see. But I do think it makes sense to have a few percentages of each of those guys. Yeah. Um, just because sure. of the potential there. Is there a 5K or a, or a high 4K option that jumps out to you? Well, I was going to go to uh, the Arizona State offense, which has been very yuck uh, for the past two weeks since Rashad has been out. Um, if I knew that we'd have a more consistent quarterback room, I would feel good about uh, Guillory. Um, but he disappointed last week, um, played him on the late slate and was let down with a uh, whopping zero on that one. Um, but getting cheaper, um, I mean, we start to get into tight end uh, territory with Luke Haas. Um, he's interesting. I think, uh, is it Tarverish Dawson, the, uh, the Colorado receiver? Mm -hmm. um, he seems to have taken a little bit of a backseat since um, Michael Harrison uh, kind of came on. Um, but if Weaver is limited or not able to go, Dawson presents a very interesting opportunity at 4,800. Um, he seems pretty electric uh, moving into it when he catches the ball. And uh, the other guy that I'll mention here is uh, Jatavian Sanders. Um, if I'm if I'm in on worthy at that price, I'm I'm definitely in on Sanders at 4,700. I think that that's uh, a, definitely a, a decent um, option if you're looking to save some cash. What about you? Yeah, Sanders, good. I, I like that call out. Um, he, the, good price there. I like the two Colorado guys. Even if I wouldn't use a ton of them because yeah. I wish they were a little bit more. Uh, but I think even if Weaver plays, I think both of them have shown enough to get some usage if you're playing bigger tournaments uh, i think both saw four targets last game and just was the matter of like that offense didn't move right uh yeah. attempts and receptions etc were just low so you know if the offense rolls a little bit it gets moving a little bit do they see six seven targets i think that's worthy of, of checking out i kept saying tony brown earlier and i was like man i'm getting this name wrong it's tyler brown the clemson tyler. receiver uh, you know, this is a weird situation where like Dabo, I believe, does not really play true freshman a whole lot. Um, they've had a bunch of like true freshman receivers. And I think Tyler Brown is a true freshman receiver, right? Am I, I'm not making that up, am I? I'm pretty sure you're right. 
So, you know, he comes out and says, hey, like, we're just going to start putting the best guys on the field in terms of, um, of players on offense. And it was cool to see that it actually happened. Um, you know, yeah. it took an Antonio Williams injury, so we'll have to see what happens there. But he made an incredible catch in the first quarter uh, close to the end zone. Um, that was just super impressive. He was banged up. I think he probably missed a quarter's worth of action or something like that. And he still ended with a good day. He had five catches for 84 yards. So at 4,800, I, I like that price point. Um, Luke Haas. I was like, who is Luke Haas? <laughs> man, you and your your tight ends. Pitch yeah, me man. a little bit on, on Haas. I think you glossed over him, but pitch me a little bit on, on Haas. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the, uh, the matchup isn't fantastic with Arkansas playing Texas A&M. Um, but Haas has been... Um, outside of, you know, Tavares Gums, who has really disappointed, he's been the, the primary tight end who has been uh, getting some usage in that offense. Uh, really came alive, I believe it was last week. Let me, let me pull up this game log, make sure I'm not making this up. Um, but I believe he's had two touchdowns in the past two weeks. Uh, yeah, one against exactly him. three. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. He had, yeah, he had one, one yeah. against Boise State or not Boise State, BYU, and then he had two against LSU. Um, and you know, ten receptions over the last two games, uh, hovering around two hundred yards in, in uh, total receiving output of those two games. Um, I think he could do a lot worse. I mean, he he is five thousand, so he's he's not a, a super cheap tight end. So there's a little bit of hesitancy there, but. Um, I don't know. I think you could do a lot worse at five, five K. Um, I, I am going to throw out this one name who is just, it's probably borderline reckless for me to say anything about this. <laughs> but if I'm looking at guys who are 3,500 and cheaper and who I think has the best chance of avoiding a zero uh, at that price, I'm going to say it's Liam Clifford, uh, the Penn state receiver. Um he so I wouldn't know anything about Liam Clifford if he didn't uh, play on Penn State if he wasn't a a guy on the team that I I particularly have interest in, um, but he has been consistently getting three or four targets a game. Um, he seems like a guy who they kind of manufacture uh, receptions for, and they're like, hey, Clifford's out on the field. Let's throw him the ball. His brother was pretty good here. Let's let's throw him a bone, um, and he has really shown to have decent hands. Um, I think as we get further into the Big Ten season, um, Penn State's going to have to rely more on guys who have consistently shown to make the most out of those targets. And I think that there's a chance that Clifford could sneak into the top three or four rotation here um, and do something. Another plus side with him, I know I'm talking way too long about nobody on Penn State, but uh, I, I think that he's the kind of guy who will get in the game late in blowout potential as well. Um, who, I don't know, I think he scores two touchdowns before the end of the season. So uh, at 3,500, like I said, I don't think you're getting a zero with him. You're probably not getting any more than 10 points most, but he's interesting to me. Yeah, there's not really many options, period, in that 3K area. So I don't blame you there. Um, I will throw out the name Jalen Conyers. Do we bring him up? He's like 4K. Coming off of injury. Uh, Coming off injury, but he... Yeah, he played against USC, which was nice. Had a pretty solid day. I like the fact that it's Drew Pine. I feel like Drew Pine is the guy that we need for Jalen Conyers. So yeah. 
uh, I do find that is, is fairly interesting. And then this will be my gross, like, why, Chris? Why would you say that out loud? <laughs> uh, Thomas Fedone II is, if you need another random some, cheap guy. Put some accent on that name. I don't Fedone. do accent. You know, yeah, there <laughs> you know me better than that. Uh, Nebraska uses, like, I was looking at this this morning. They use, like, nobody. Like, yeah. literally, they use they've used three receivers and two tight ends. And like, that's yeah. it. Like the next, you know, um, IGC, the guy that got hurt and he's out for the season. He's the only other guy that's gotten more than three. He's run more than three routes. Fedone, yeah. I believe is second on the team in target share. Uh, he's got three touchdowns. I'm not promoting this as a guy like, like Clifford. If you need a guy to fill a spot and just yeah. kind of be on the field, essentially, He's like the he's probably the lowest I would go with alongside Conyers. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, you talked about that usage for Nebraska, and that lines up perfectly with what um, Matt Rule did uh, when he was at Baylor. I mean, it was literally they had the two decent wide receivers, and then they threw it to the the tight ends quite a bit. So um, I think that that tracks, and I think there's enough precedent there that Fidone is well in play. It feels like we should be in on cow receivers this weekend. They play Arizona yeah. state. I mean, that's a good, I think by the end of the season, we'll be like, man, we really should have just played everybody against Arizona state type of thing. You know? Um, yeah. They're cheap. Enough Jer too. Yeah. Jeremiah Hunter is the guy that pops a little bit for me. He's their yeah. receiver. One Monroe young is the super cheap guy. I believe he's actually like 3,500 or 3,900. Yeah. So like, Considering the matchup, I don't hate that, but that is very risky. And then, of course, I just have to say this name out loud. Tron Grizzle is another receiver <laughs> for them that has uh, – he's actually performed a little bit. He's not the worst option. He's just – you know, if he was 4K, I would consider him. 4,800 is just a little bit tough. I'm going to go out on a limb. That's the first name, first time I've heard that name. I, I think he's a tight end. Grizzle? Grizzle the tight end, 83? Yeah. He's actually <laughs> – I've tweeted about him because – I, we were all the depth cards came out. Uh, it was just incredible. So you should just search. He's a white guy receiver with like kind of like big curly hair like Stetson pre haircut. Everything you said lines up with a, a tight end archetype. So uh, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I don't gonna, know his, si I don't know his size, but we'll see. No, uh, I, I think that's a really good point. Uh, Cal against against a really poor uh, Arizona State team. I, I can be in on that. I feel like last year we had some time when we were playing Maven Anderson and had, had a little bit of success. Um, him and Starling, I feel like last year were kind of the uh, um, the chosen ones on that, that Cal offense. But obviously getting some new, uh, a new, new talent in there, and I think they shifted schemes too. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I don't love it, but I think you're right that we should be looking to those spots of, hey, this is a trend that we started to see. Uh, yeah, and I think for Cal receivers, looking at um, the top guy, Jeremiah Hunter, he's been super consistent. I think that's the the safer option of all of them, eight or nine targets in every game this year. But anyways, what, uh, we do this every, every week, Ethan. Yep. Do you know what I'm about to ask you? Uh, I, is it too early to ask me about the thoughts overall on the slate? 
It is too early. We have to know okay. if we're double stacking or if we're just oh, playing two quarterbacks or not. Come on, Ethan. We've done this. For I five mean, weeks I give the same response every week, so I feel like I feel like it's uh, moot at this point. But I am not playing anything other than a quarterback at Superflex this week. What about you? Well, one of these weeks, I'm going to break you, Ethan. Just wait for it. Uh, I will very, very likely just force it. I don't love the quarterback options in comparison to past weeks, but I think that just the game theory and strategy, it just makes so much sense, too much sense. I will say I will run some lineups initially without that rule, you yeah. know, that grouping that I do, because I, I don't build them a hand build like yourself. Yeah. And... I'll see what kind of percentages I get. If I get like 180% out of 200% quarterback, I might leave it to be honest. If I'm anything below that, I will probably just force it. Um, It will also be helpful if we get like Sam Jackson as the starter. um, For sure. And and some, some clarity around, you know, health of quarterback like Wigman, I think presents a nice option or decent enough option and things like that. Cause I feel like otherwise I'll just probably have like, 70% 70% Caleb Williams and a bunch of 3K players, which will be tough yeah. to, to live with. I, let me let me spin off of that question then and ask you. So if you're playing four, I'd assume that you'd be playing four running backs if you're if you're not doing a uh, a super flex or a super flex quarterback. Yeah, I think it for that piece, it's two things. Um, I like the running back group better than the receiver group, and they're all really that's that initial piece of the running back conversation that we had where like all yeah. those mid five to mid six K guys are all really appealing because of that. That is the route I would go if I were to to do that. So you're assuming that there's four guys and probably two of them in that range of guys who you think can score 20 points or more. I'd assume that's Uh, kind of what you're expecting if you're playing a a super flex. Yeah. I mean, I think the four guys, let's see, let's name some of them here, right? If, if Halani's out, that's a no brainer for Gene T Blake Watson, Scatabo is interesting. Brooks is interesting. Devin Neal, I love Shipley. He feels like a very safe option. I feel like all five of those guys could break 20. Yeah. The tricky part is like, could they hit, could all of them hit 30? Um, Which I don't believe is the case for a guy like Shipley. Maybe not the case for Brooks and Scatibo, but you probably need two of them to hit that 30 mark and then the other two to be safely in the, the 20s. So, right, right. I like again, I, I don't hate you know, it. The thing is, in the past, I've won small stuff with or gotten very close to winning small stuff with a, a fourth, uh, with one quarterback. So it's never yeah. completely out of it, yeah, uh, out of the back of my brain. But it, you know, I think if you're trying to just crank some lineups out and get out of there, that's the way to go. It would yeah. be to do two quarterbacks. That makes sense. So uh, you know, I haven't done it, you know, quite honestly, I, I couldn't think of anything clever to say, but you know, more recently I made a purchase at home field. I did not, again, like every week I say this, I've got way too many purchases, so I can't use the code. And I'm I made one cheat. last week. Yeah. Oh, really? What did, did yeah. we talk about this? Uh, I, I threw it in the slack, but I, the new, uh, Penn state hoodies and sweatshirts, I, they put a, a Rose bowl a 94 Rose bowl hoodie out there and I, man, I'm a sucker. So. Yeah, it is a pretty sweet. Those hoodies and crew neck sweatshirts look really good. Yeah. Not going to lie. Um, if you are a first time buyer, use Campus to Canton and you'll get 15% off. If you are looking for a subscription, you run across this podcast somehow, some way, somebody threw this your way and you are not signed up for Campus to Canton, check us out, campusdecanton.com. 
We do literally everything. DFS, uh, your typical redraft, your dynasty, your Devi, your campus to Canton format, which uh, you know is really pretty interesting. I just don't have anywhere near the bandwidth to try one of those leagues. Uh, it's a cool combination of college and NFL. Obviously, you can look online for more details. Multiple subscription packages, including the Super G- Super Degen Winning Edge package. If you have questions, we are always happy to help give kind of clarity on what they entail. Any final thoughts, Ethan, on the slate? Uh, not on the slate, but while we're talking about campus to campus leagues, if you're not in them, and I know you uh, have a very strong no cult. Uh, rule in the K household. Um, yep. I'm in 30, so I, I, it's my preferred way to play. If I'm playing season long anything, it's going to be a uh, a dynasty or a campus to camp league. So, uh, you know what? Uh, here's one way to get a, actually a discount or a, a cheaper rate is uh, say something about campus to Canton and tag Felix on Twitter. Yeah, maybe say like, oh, there's no content out there, that type of thing. He's a sucker. <laughs> He'll give you a free month or something. He, you can, you know, fish, fishing reel them right in. But uh hope everybody enjoys week five. Uh, we're getting into the middle of the season. Lots of data out there, which will be fun for everybody. Yeah. Battling through some injury situations, but keep an eye on the Canvas Canton Discord, on Twitter, Slack, et cetera. And, and uh, not Slack. You don't get it. You guys don't get involved with that. We'll please. keep it's our a, eyes on Slack. And it's we'll it's a, it and we'll relay the message. There we okay. go. But hope everybody has a, a great weekend, enjoys the games, and we'll catch you next week.